Hey, welcome back to Bold Perceptions, your favorite podcast. Got a great, great episode today with Georgia's former professor at St. Thomas, Professor Gino. And man, if I had a professor like this when I was in school, I probably would have went to class. He's uh, he's quite the character, but I mean, the knowledge, the wisdom that he shares. There's a reason George uh, said he was his favorite professor, and the guy also does a lot of things outside of his passion, which is teaching. He's uh, into you know creating websites, digital marketing. He actually did the Super Bowl website um, in Minnesota when we had the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. So he kind of goes into detail about you know uh, creating these websites, how to market, talks about teaching. His uh, ability to stay young, and uh, he's in a rock band. I mean, he's a he's an interesting dude. But there was a ton of gems throughout this recording, and I understand now why St. Thomas is such a a good school, very expensive school, a private school. It's because they got teachers like this, and I, I applaud him for for his ability to inspire his students. And to to make a difference, like uh, George says throughout. So, Gino, you're the man. I wish I had you as a professor. Enjoy the episode. I almost forgot. Make sure to like, subscribe, um, share this episode with someone you think would uh, get something from it. And uh, make sure to contact us. Give us suggestions on what you want to hear, how you can benefit from our amazing, beautiful Awesome, great community. Bold perceptions. Bold perceptions. We are back. We have a very interesting guest today. Um, this is going to be a treat for the listeners. We got Gino Ginovelli joining us, the Italian stallion. Very interesting guy. He was uh, my favorite professor at the University of St. Thomas. He's kind of a celebrity on campus, celebrity everywhere he goes, I would say, actually. Um, so much so that he actually is getting tested for coronavirus because only celebrities can get tested. Gino, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, George. Good to be here, buddy. Great to see you. Great to see you. We're on Zoom video again. You know, the quarantine blues have, have got us uh, altering our recording methods, but it'll work. It'll work. And um, Gino, do you want to just kind of start off by telling everybody, I guess, what you do? Sure. Um, for main job, side job, just your life. Sure. Yeah. Well, what I what I get paid to do, which is different than what I normally do, um, I, I'm paid to be a professor at St. Thomas, which is where I I met George. Uh, gosh, is it a year ago? Maybe, uh, maybe a little over a year ago. Um, in addition to that, I'm a consultant and I build websites for a variety of different companies. Um, most recently, coming off of. Uh, working on the Super Bowl when it was here in town. That was a fun gig for a couple of years. And I've been working with uh, brands like Caribou Coffee and Sun Country Airlines and just a whole lot of different really fun clients. Uh, learning the stuff that George uh, was able to hopefully bring into the classroom and make that, that course fun for you guys. Um, beyond that, um, I am a drummer in a, in a variety of different bands. Um, just love doing that. Uh, that's kind of my happy place. Uh, that's where I get to kind of blow the carbon out at least once a week on Thursday nights with my guys uh, and Becky, and we just, we hit it hard. And then I play in a couple other little bands here and there on the side. 
And um, most importantly is the family stuff. I've got three boys and an awesome wife. And uh, boy, I tell you, this coronavirus thing boy, ha has us just locked in. And they're talking about silver lining, talk about lemonade. Um, I haven't spent this much time with as a, as a family unit in a long time. We're watching movies every night. We're, you know, we're eating better. We're exercising. We're going on walks. We're doing awesome stuff. So it's just, uh, it's been a wild ride, though, I have to say. It's been an adjustment. But it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, no, I figured you'd be Mr. Silver Lining to this whole thing. You're a pretty positive guy. Yeah, I, you know what? I have to. It's the, it's the serenity prayer. It's probably the only prayer I ever think about. And it's my favorite prayer is, you know, just accept the things, you know, that you can accept and, and, and change the things you can. And, um, boy, this is all about accepting what you can't change and just taking the, take, trying, to, trying to do the best with what you got. You know? Yep, 100%, 100%. And um, yeah, I will say, your, so your digital marketing course you taught. Um, and by, so by the way, are you doing online classes right now? With You know what? Whole? Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, the class that you took, it's, it's digital marketing. And it's, so you're learning how to market online. It's, it's a lot different than teaching online. And a lot of people kind of think, well, gosh, if you teach online marketing, you must be, uh, know how to teach online. And I, I'm getting used to it. It's, it's an adjustment. Um, but you know, it's, it's weird though. In some ways it's, it's, it's better. Like for example, this week, George, I had, or last week, I had two students join the class because it was online. And then if, it if the class hadn't been offered online, they wouldn't have been there because they went on spring break a little early. So we had, uh, one student on the, in class from Aruba <laughs> and one from Florida. And again, if I hadn't taught online, we would have missed those two. Now, granted, I'm not sure how much they paid attention to what we were talking about. Um, nonetheless, we were able to have them in class and it was fun. And we try to, we try to make the, the most of it, although it's not, it's definitely not the same uh, as, as seeing everybody in person, but we, we try, we, we do our best, you know? Yep, absolutely. And uh, so how are you taking, I know before you had all of our pictures and you memorized our names within the yep. first week, right? How was that going from online, you know, perspective? Well, yeah, that, that was fine because I did all that before the semester started. And so, um, but now it's kind of cool where you see the gallery view, the whole, the Brady Bunch, where you see the grid. And uh, it's, it's funny though, because you can, you, you see people at, in their homes and a lot different than you see them in class. Like, um, and you're able to sort of, I don't know, just see a, a side of them that you wouldn't normally see and dogs are barking and it's just, it's really, um, it's really intimate. It's, um, you know, I was thinking about George, when you came into my class, uh, <laughs> here we go class, showing up in flip flops at uh, eight o'clock in the morning with looking pretty hungover. Um, you know, you kind of, you kind of see people like that. Um, it, most of the students in my eight o'clock class are, are in class in bed. So you're looking at 27 students laying in their bed, taking your class, which is, which is like, which is different, you know, than seeing them in a classroom all dressed up. Although you, you rarely got dressed up for class. I think your, your normal motif was flip flops and shorts, no matter what the, the month was, but um, yeah, it's a little bit more like that. It's a whole lot of George like kind of situation where people are just being themselves. Actually, I just saw something uh, on the news that said that a lot of retailers are, are getting, um, are seeing a lot of sales for shirts and tops, but not a lot for bottoms because people, people aren't, I mean, I've, this is the first time I've worn jeans in probably two weeks, you know, it was tonight for this podcast. And I was like, I've been in shorts for literally weeks on end. And it's just, it's really different. It's really bizarre. 
<laughs> that is a little different. And you are seeing, you know, the dogs barking. You're seeing everybody's life exposed over the camera. Because, yeah. I mean, like you said, I, I rolled in at an 8 a.m. class. Wouldn't miss yeah. the class for the world. That's, that's, that's the lesson behind this. I showed up. I wanted to participate. I did sit in the back that day, but I was still there. Yeah. I did sit in the back at all times. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But I did participate. Yes. And if I'm not mistaken, I did offer you with a garbage can, but I think you had told me that you had already, you already taken care of that. Is this, is this true? Or maybe it was someone else. I can't remember. Could have been. Oh man, you did offer me the garbage can. You did. And uh, I, I hadn't taken care of it, but I should have probably taken care of it before class because I was as green as you know, yeah. the autumn, well, not the autumn leaves, the summer leaves. Well, you know, it's funny because I had, you came, you came to the eight o'clock class after, I don't think really you slept at all, but I had people in my 9.55 a.m. class that, that couldn't find their way to class. I'm like, hey guys, George was here at eight o'clock this morning and none of you guys could even roll into a, a 10 o'clock class. That's, that's pretty lame. That, that is lame. That's lame. You got to be able to handle your liquor, you know, show up at 8 a.m., right? So getting into your class yeah. and, I mean, your career on the side away from the classroom, Yep. Um, what led you to, you know, building this digital marketing um, expertise of yours? How did this start? What do you find in it that is fulfilling? Yeah. You know, I, I started, it's weird because I started my I got a degree in engineering of all, of all things crazy. Right. And then I did what every other engineering major does right out of college. I, I took a job in sales, <laughs> um, really never did the engineering even to this day, never really did it. Um, but a variety of different positions between marketing and product management and things like that uh, led me to a, a job where I needed to create sort of virtual sales tools. And at the time, I was working with an agency in the warehouse district in, in downtown Minneapolis or yeah, in the warehouse district. And at the time the internet was coming along. And I just remember like, um, right as I was working with this company, this, the internet came along and just really changed the business altogether to the point. It was so fun going to work at this agency. And um, cause I used to just, I had a corporate gig and I would drive down there and work down there while I was waiting for this, these products that we were working on to come out. And in, in the delays for it to come out, I just kept working at this agency to the point I was like, you know what, they're doing a lot more interesting stuff than I'm doing in my day job. So I joined that agency just as the internet took off. And it was, it was so fun because every day something was different. And I think that's, that's the thing I realize and why I love teaching so much is, is what we don't, what you don't realize maybe when you're a student is that your teachers is learning with you, um, you know, may, maybe learning different things, but I, I've always had this thirst to learn and also turn around and teach. Um, but, but I think the digital marketing world is a world where it, it continues to change so much that you're forced to continue to learn and relearn and relearn. So nothing, nothing is boring. Like literally, the course I taught the fall of last year, I had to retool a lot of it for, Janu for, uh, for this spring semester. I had you know three weeks in January to, to, to incorporate some pretty sizable uh, new concepts into the class, omni-channel uh, marketing, multi-channel marketing, um, things that weren't in the class last semester. Um, and so this, this desire to keep learning, it just, it keeps me alive. And that's why, honestly, I feel like when I'm with you guys, I feel like I'm, I'm your age. I feel like I'm still that college student who is just a sponge 
and dying to learn. And, you know, I was even in engineering school, I had that passion for, and it was almost more, one of the reasons I studied engineering is because it was so freaking hard and it, everything was hard where I had to, nothing was a fastball down the middle. You constantly had to like rack your brain. And I just, I remember loving that feeling of kind of cracking the code or like when you're doing a puzzle and every, all the pieces start to come together. You're like, Oh man, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You know, it's like, um, when you can put yourself into a career where that, that energy feeds itself, it, you know, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like work. I know it's cliche, you know, when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like it, you're working. Um, but I honestly feel that because of this new, the newness of, of every day. Huh, huh, very insightful <laughs> answer. And that, that is a boom. That's a boom answer on Zoom. Um, but yeah, and something we talk about in this podcast is skill stacking and mm -hmm. creating. And I feel like that gives people a sense of, you know, fulfillment or self-worth. And I feel like you're a big creator. You're always doing something. You're, you're always nurturing relationships. I mean, how does that, you know, impact you in your profession? Yeah, well, well, well I, the thing that, that I think is so valuable is that in, in these places of, and it's so timely with this whole coronavirus, is in the places of discomfort and, and, um, and being, yeah, basically being uncomfortable is where we grow and learn the most. And, and, but it's, it's, as a teacher, you hope to inspire your students to, to be okay with being uncomfortable and then, um, and to take those leaps um, into, into, the, into the learning world. And, and the way I think I try to do that is by meeting you guys where you're at and being a, a partner more than a teacher. I mean, I'm not a big, you know, you don't call me Mr. Giovanelli or whatever. I'm, I'm Gino to you guys. I feel like the best way for me to, to push you into those uncomfortable places is to be right with you, not on top of you, if you will. Um, and, that, and that comes, George, from, from relationships. It's, it's being willing to, to, to support students no matter what's going on in their life. Uh, whether it's going to football games that they're playing in or concerts where they're singing in, I, I want you guys to know I'm I'm right there with you, and and it's it's not hard for me because I love it. I love pouring into you guys, and it, it's like I say the first day of class, I'm like I'm going to give you my best, but I want your best back, and the only way I can get your best back is by being with you and not being your teacher, if you will, where you have to do it to get an A or there's, you know, this whole rubric kind of thing. It's like, no, I, I want them to, to dig in and dial in and fight hard for the purposes of learning because long after the grades are published, the, you, you got to have that spirit of learning because, you know, the, the stats are that the jobs that are, that are going to be out, you know, in the next couple of years, we're not even teaching to those, you know, it's like, we, we've got to, my goal is when you leave college or is that you are you're you have a passion for learning because if you feel like you're done you're done you're gonna be done i remember i got out of engineering school i got a job with a company and they're like okay we're gonna teach you engineering now i'm like dude i just busted my ass for for four years in engineering don't tell me i'm gonna start over again and they're like dude you're not ever done the minute you say you're done we're done with you and i'm like i love that i love that so hopefully you find a job you and jake find jobs where you're constantly reinventing yourself and pushing yourself into those uncomfortable places. I remember the comp another company I worked for, I remember they said like, Hey, look to your right, look to your left. I'm like, okay, here's that speech that like one of you, one of you is gone in a year kind of thing. And instead they go, you're going to go to each other's weddings. You're going to go to each other's 
kids' graduations. You're going to go to each other's retirement party. I'm like, don't you dare say that. Don't you dare say that. Don't make, don't lead me to believe that I can just skip through this thing and have a job for life. I want to know if I don't bust ass and kick ass and keep relearning and learning new things. And if I don't do that, I'm gone. And I need to know that, that I, that's going to happen or else I'm in the wrong culture. Well, I think uh, a big reason that I like the, doing the podcast so much and George too is because we're constantly learning, learning new uh, skills and it's, it's a fulfilling feeling and it's fun. It's like mm-hmm. you said, putting that puzzle together. Yep. Uh, you mentioned a big part of class is getting kids outside of their comfort zone. And we talk yep. about it a lot on the podcast is the best things happen outside of the comfort zone. Yep. What do you, like, what, what, what do you do to get the kids to push them outside of the comfort zone? Well, for example, like it's funny because one of the things that most of the students love the most is this thing we call best of web where every Thursday at in the beginning of class, three people get up and they present the best, whatever they think is the best app or the best website and they compete against two other students. So it's three people compete every Thursday morning and everybody else in the audience gets to hear what, what three people thought was the best thing on the internet. They have five minutes to do it and they can do anything they want, but there's points. There's a first place and a second place and a third place. So the students that are hearing the presentation score the presenters, okay, and write down things that they loved about the presentation and things they did not love about the presentation. And I collect all that feedback, Jake, and I curate it into a one pager and I go, I go one-on-one. I do a one-on-one session with every student and I say, here's what you did great. And then Jake, here's what you didn't do great. And it's and, and this is what your peers said. And I tell you, it 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 is pain. There's tears. There's all kinds of stuff. But there's growth every every single time. There's growth because I'm calling you out on things that not just I saw, but that your your peers saw. Because I mean, when you hear advice from a 53 year old, you're like, oh, that's you know whatever. But when you hear the advice of your best friends and your fellow students that say this, this, and this, and that you're you know you know, whatever the issue is with the body language, or there's like something going on the way you deliver your, your presentation, I get right to it. And I give them honest, but respectful feedback, but I don't pull, I'm from Jersey shit. I mean, I tell it like it is in a respectful way, but I'm not going to dance around it and kind of, kind of soften it a little bit. I'm like, you need to hear this. And I li- I literally let them read what people wrote, obviously without names, because if I had to soften it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same, Jake. It would just be like, well, if you could kind of try to, I don't know, try to do this for you. I don't know. It's like, no, you know what? Here's the deal. When you get up, you look at your slides. You need to look at the audience. You know, you've got this weird thing you do with this tick thing where you rock back. And I'm like, I tell it to you straight. And, and I tell you, the students have like, they will say like, you know, I've presented so many times and I've never gotten honest feedback. I'm like, you're going to get honest feedback not from one person, but from 24 students plus me. And, and it's, it is, uh, it's tough when it's your day, when it's your day to present, it's, it's people are uncomfortable. The audience loves it when it's not their day. Cause they just get to sit back and hear three awesome, about three awesome websites. But now we're doing it literally last week, you guys, before spring break, we had to teach online and I had the next three that were teed up to do best web. They're like, are we going to have to do it online? I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to do it online. You know why? Because you have job interviews coming up. You're going to have to do it on, on, on Zoom. And, and you know what? Yeah. That's awesome. George, did you have to, did you go yeah. out there and do it? 
Yes, I did. So I was just going to bring it up. I did Yelp. Um, I, I thought I was sneaky doing Venmo, but that got taken like the first week. So I remember one thing Gino told me was, hey, I mean, you're a good entertainer. You, uh, you can go on the fly well. You can make adjustments well. But you got to freaking, you know, focus in and prepare a little bit more. You got to, you know, you can't just BS your way through life. Can't BS your way through interviews. You need to prepare. You need to take it a little more seriously at times. And that actually really helped me a lot, Gino. So thank yeah. you for that. Uh, well, I think, George, I think I remember the quote. I think I said, you're good on your feet, but you're not as good as you think you are on your feet and that you need to prepare. And you know what, I have a lot of people like you, George, that, that are good on their feet and therefore feel like, you know, I got this, I got this. But you know what, you're gonna meet your match because if, like, if, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the best presenter in the room, you're, the wrong, you're in the wrong room, right? Eventually, George, you're gonna present against another George and you guys are both gonna be good on your feet. And the one who's gonna win is the one who comes in more prepared. And that was a message uh, that you needed to hear and um and i it was hard to give but but it wasn't just my it wasn't just me talking it was everybody and so that hurts right <laughs> it hurt it did hurt a little bit but yeah. it, did, it made me better it made me better though and that's the point and that's the point yeah. and so thank you and so to that point what do you i mean do you see common threads with kids uh college students getting up there winging it or do you see other common threads that are important to you know take note of you know, I just, I think about, um, what do I see? I see all kinds. I mean, honestly, you see people that are just shaking in their boots to present. Um, it's, it's a tough, it's tough. And I see other people who are really uh, naturally good. And, and that's not fair to compare someone who's naturally good to someone who has to work really hard to just be okay. Um, I guess my point is I try to meet them where they're at. And if I can help someone get from, a four to a five or an eight to a nine or a 10 to 12. I, I want to start there. I don't, I don't want to try to compare people. I just, I, it's all about trying to make each person better that a better version of themselves. So it's almost, it's personalized to each. Uh, it's it's a hundred percent personalized and Jake, you would die. The fact that this, this assignment is worth 75 out of a thousand points. It's, it's worth nothing. Yeah. And, 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 and people treat it like it's everything. And I want them to treat it like it's everything. And then I'm able to tell them like, not a big deal here, people. The big deal is what you do with it, not how you did. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite parts of the class. And I've thought about taking it out because it's literally, it takes me about an hour to, or almost an hour and a half to curate all the, all the feedback and then to put it in a one-page summary, and then to meet with the students for about 40 minutes to take them through it, multiply that by 81 students in a semester, I mean, for something that's worth less than one point of their grade, you go like, well, what the hell? But you do it because, because it, it'll make them better. And if I put too many points on it, then I think people would be a basket case, honestly. I basically go, you know, come in here. The worst you're going to do is an, is an 85% on something that's worth less than 1% of your grade. You know what I mean? Or, you know, a point on your grade. So, so, you know, there's enough stress you put on yourself. So I don't need to add anything more to that, you know? That makes sense. Yep. Um, and then to kind of bring things back here, I know in the beginning you said yep. you did something for the uh, Super Bowl website. Yes. You kind yeah. of gave us some information on that. 
Yeah, so so it's it's really funny. You think about the Super Bowl and you think like the NFL comes in and they 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 sort of do this every year so they've got their their people <laughs> and they just kind of not cookie cutter this thing, but it's basically like a a traveling uh roadshow kind of thing. The reality is what's really cool about and this is I didn't realize this is that for the Super Bowl what they really do is they let whoever whatever community is hosting it really drive what they do. And so they're able to hire local people for it. So I had done a project uh, for a woman by the name of Wendy Blackshaw, who was at Sun Country. I, I did with a team. We did her website for her when she was there. And then she moved over and got a job with the Super Bowl host committee. And so she, because of that experience that we had working together, she said, hey, can you help me um, with my website? And not really knowing what that meant. I guess originally when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'll be working with the NFL and it's going to be this crazy thing with lots of approvals and process. I'm thinking there's, there's a manual, Jake, that's probably four inches thick that, that explains exactly what I have to do. And the reality was not so much. Um, it was really something we, we sort of had to figure out. What do we want to put on this website? And we had to sort of figure that out. I mean, there were guidelines on things that had to have but for the most part, it was really cool in the sense that we could build really anything we wanted. So I got with my normal crew of people. I've got about a six-person team that we we go run around, run around building websites for people. And I brought that team into it. And so we ended up building the website for the Super Bowl, which basically had to take care of, uh, you know, it was a place for partners to be exposed to the Super Bowl so they could get some good visibility about being a partner for the Super Bowl. It was used to get 15,000 people signed up to volunteer for the Super Bowl. And then it was obviously the last year of the website was about really promoting the event. But what's really weird, Jake, is, is it's, it's almost like planning a wedding where you're kind of doing all this work, like one and, like a one and done, hopefully, right? Uh, <laughs> you're building this website. You've never done it before, and you'll probably never do it again. But the interesting thing, if you want to keep that wedding analogy, is you're creating a website for the bride and the groom who, of which you don't know who it is until two weeks before the Super Bowl. Like you're building this website to promote this game between the bride and the groom. And it's like, until that last playoff game, is it, is it the Vikings playing, you know, or uh, is it New England? Is it, is, it, is it Philadelphia? So that literally that last playoff game is all of a sudden when you realize, okay, this is who we're building the site for. But the reality is, is it's not a website about the game. It's not a, it's not a site about a game that happens in one city in one day. It's a website that promotes what's happening in a state for a year. Because we did this whole, you know, Super Bowl 52, 52 weeks of celebrating the Super Bowl. And like, let's, let's make this bigger than a one event in one day in one sport into a, 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 a 52 weeks of, and we're promoting all the best things about Minnesota. So it turned into something way different than I would have ever thought. And it was the funnest project I've ever been a part of. And honestly, you guys, and I've said this to George before, there were periods of time where I don't really remember what we were working on. It was just such a crazy throw people in a room. I mean, everybody I worked with was basically in their twenties. And I was like, like, like who brought the old guy into the office? You know, and that was me. And, and I was just, whatever needed to get done, we did. We built, you know, concert pages for like 70 different concerts. And we promoted all these things that were happening over 52 weeks in the state. You know, every week we had a famous Minnesotan, a famous restaurant, uh, Super Bowl moment. We were promoting stuff all the time. It just, 
it just got such it got so big and and um and so fun uh, i never felt so alive and so young working on a, a work project that's a hell of a project because you got a lot of different things that you need to promote a lot of different things that you need to take into account i mean how did you how did you stay clear how did you you know stay mentally clear and focused and present um, yeah, it, it, well, you know what? A lot of it, George, honestly, I don't think you were in my class when this was happening. Well, was, were you in my class leading up to the Super Bowl? Or was it, had it already happened? Uh, I was spring semester, so that was okay. right after the Super Bowl. But I did okay. work the Super Bowl experience. Yep, uh, yep. So, yep, yep. Okay, so what, what happened a lot in the fall, particularly the fall before the Super Bowl, is there were a lot of things that needed to happen while I was teaching. So I would get a text from, from Wendy or one of the people I was working with at the Super Bowl saying like, hey, we need to take something down or, you know, the pink concert's going to move to the armory as opposed to, you know, wherever. Or the, the, the bold north zip line across the Mississippi, uh, it needs to shut down because of the high winds. Literally in class, I'd be like, all right, who wants to, who wants to come up here and tell a, a, someone in a job interview that you updated the Super Bowl website? And I'd have students literally come up, literally in the middle of my lecture, I'm like, shit, we got to get this done now. Okay. So who wants to tell an employer that you were working on the Super Bowl website? And then the, like somebody like you would come up, right? And I'd be like, okay, George, here's exactly what I need you to do. But don't do anything I don't tell you to do. Because <laughs> literally there was no staging server. Like when we hit save, it went live on the Super Bowl site. So, it, so I was able to let students literally in on what we were working on. Or when I needed to send an email out to all volunteers to tell them to to remember to bring their credentials. Like somehow we forgot that email. Like, all right, who wants to get up here and say you send out an email on behalf of the, of the Super Bowl host committee? So we were able, I was able to actually leverage students in class to get work done because I, I didn't have the luxury of waiting till after class to do it because it was real time. You know, you compare that to, to marketing with a brochure that you, you know, you spent all these, all these months writing and, and, and creating all the images for, and then you send it to the printer and it's done and you never think about it again. Like with, with the Super Bowl, you're constant, or any website project, you're constantly changing it and updating it because you can, and that's the fun part. And that's why I'm in, that's why I'm in this space. I, I love the fact that if we change our mind, that's okay, we can do that. So we'll do it right now, we'll fix it. All right, so, um, and then kind of going off the Super Bowl, um, website it's kind of like how you said before putting puzzles together and mm -hmm. how you the continuous learning mm -hmm. and then uh, next I want to kind of get into it seems that the online business place whether it be doing a podcast uh, freelance writing investing or creating websites has mm -hmm. really taken off and people are either doing it on the side or as a full-on career mm -hmm. you kind of give advice to the listeners as to how they can start to get into that sort of thing Sure. Yeah. I mean, with the whole digital space, there's never been a better opportunity. If you have, if you have a, an idea, a concept or whatever, the barriers to entry are so low. Um, you can easily build a website. In fact, uh, you know, in George's class, uh, Jake, um, every student builds their own website and most of them do that to kind of promote themselves to an employer. But I have a, I have some seniors who already have jobs and they're like, what do I, what do I build a website about? I'm like, Hey, did you ever have a dream? Did you ever have a, do you ever want to be, you know, an event planner or you want to, you want to have a podcast or you want to be a blogger or you wanted to sell? I have a guy in my MBA class right now who sells custom cribbage um, boards and he makes them himself and he built a website in 
you know, within a couple of hours, you could create, you honestly could create a website in a couple hours, right? Where you could sell product and you could go on to Google AdWords and buy some keywords and start driving traffic from Google to this website where you sell a product. Um, no more are these days where you have to, you know, find a store to carry your product and, and go pitch them on trying to get on the shelves. I mean, um, you know, the nice thing about the internet is it's 24 seven, 365. You talk about the, you know, the four P's it's like place. Hello. It's the place of business online is always open. If you, you know, if you and George wanted to sell hockey sticks or whatever, you could, you guys could literally build a website today, sell them out of your garage, 24 seven, 365. Someone in their bunny slippers in the middle of the night could wake up and go, I need a new hockey stick and they could buy it from you. Um, so the fact that you could, you can do that uh, is, is like nothing we've ever seen before. I mean, think about you guys in this whole podcast. I mean, how much, how much money did it take? And how many, how many months of planning did it take? It, it, it didn't take much, you guys. And even my business today, the one, the one I'm in, my biggest expenses are my laptop and my phone. I don't have business cards. I don't have an office. I don't have anything. I'm lean and just able to, to work on some pretty cool projects without this big overhead of a, of a nice office with a receptionist, with flowers, with a boardroom. I don't have it. You know where I am right now? I'm in my freaking master bedroom closet right now. You know, and that's where I was teaching in class today from this closet, right? I don't need much and I'm able to be completely fine. So, but the, the other side of this, Jake, is that for someone who wants to get into digital marketing, the irony, a couple stats to throw at you, is that just as of last year, so literally a year ago today, like in April of last year, was the first time where the marketing budget, that on average, uh, the marketing budget, half of which was now going to digital marketing activities. So half of the marketing budget for a company goes into digital marketing activities like search and social and websites and display um, and email. And the irony is that less than 10% of companies Okay, based on research, less than 10% of companies have people trained in all these areas of digital. So half the budget is, is, is being allocated to be spent by, by a department that most of the people, 90% of which, don't understand how to do it. Which is why when somebody like George takes the class that he took, he comes out of there at least having a running start on social, search, email, display, websites, mobile apps, and all that kind of stuff. So the, the jobs are out there, you guys, and companies that, that have made the decision to move the money to digital don't have the people yet on board in order to spend it um, in a responsible way. So that's where you guys can come in and just, and just jump into that, those roles because I, I think the younger people feel like they're less intimidated by the technology and, and they can, they, sure, they'll, it's amazing. In the first day of class, Jake, I go, how many, how many people have internships? And probably half the people raise their hand. And I say, hey, what are the internships in? And they're like, social and search. I'm like, oh, those are digital marketing channels. Yeah. I'm like, hey, question for you guys. If you're doing an internship right now on social and search, why are you taking my class? And they go, because we don't know this stuff. I'm like, well, then why did they hire you? <laughs> why did they hire you? And they go, because they think we do. And it's because you're young. And they assume you know this stuff. And the irony is you don't necessarily know it, but you're not intimidated to do a job in something you don't know. Take somebody more my age 
And if you ask somebody my age to all of a sudden, hey, we need you to shift your job and start doing social and search, they'd be like, I can't do it. I haven't been trained. I need to go through training. It's like companies are like, we, only 50% of companies train their people in digital, which means the other 50% don't. Okay, so where are they going to get the people? They're going to get the young people because they assume you guys know it. And that's, that's why I think you guys are so well, you guys being the, the millennials, the younger people, are so well positioned because you're not afraid. Like this notion of doing a podcast, you're like, shoot, we'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what training class did you take, Jake? <laughs> Listening to other podcasts. Absolutely. Now, most people my age would be like, well, I need to get certified and I need to take a class and I need to get this, 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 and this. And they're like, no, Jake just says, you know what? Hey, George, bear with me. And we might be a little rocky here these first couple episodes, but I'll get my feet under me. And that's, that's why I am so inspired to be around you guys, because you're willing to take internships and jobs in, in, air, in places where you have no expertise whatsoever. And you're just like, screw it. I'm going to figure it out. I love that about you guys. I love that about you guys. And like you were saying, this goes back to being out of the comfort zone, right? You don't need to take a certified class. Don't. You don't need to have all these prereqs. You just, you just got to do it. Just start and you'll learn on the way. Yeah. And that's why, like George, when you built the website in my class, how much time did I spend teaching you how to do it? None. I taught you the methodology, the process, but I never showed you how to upload an image or how to upload video and how to uh, create duplicate pages. And I'm like, I want you to learn how to do that because I'm gone in June or I'm gone in, in December. Whenever your course is over, I'm gone. I need you to learn how to learn so that when you leave my class, you're like, I got this. I don't need Gino anymore. I got this. He taught me how to learn for myself. That's, that's the best compliment I could have. I, if, you, if you were to say, gosh, you know, it was, your class was great, but then I wish it was longer because we No, it's perfect that it's not long. Because you need to go and you need to go do that yourself. And that's what I love about yep. you. You're not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid. Come on. I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny because we just had a, a chiropractic student on last week. And he, uh, he made the comparison that he doesn't want to have to hold his patient's hands the rest of their lives. Right. He wants to arm them with the tools to do it on their own. And this kind of sounds like the, the exact same message. Exactly. Yeah. And don't get too comfortable with it. Don't get too comfortable with, with me being in the mix. Cause I, I can't, you know, as much as I'd love to stay with you guys through your careers, I can't do it. And I need you to guys to just say, I, you know, you're, you're almost like weaning yourself off of, 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 of St. Thomas. It's becoming, yeah. becoming self-sufficient. Totally. That's the best thing we can do is to have you guys hit the marketplace and go, I got this. And don't look back. Look back. So uh, I, I agree. That, I, I took that first job at an at engineering school, and the guy was like, we're really going to teach you engineering now. I'm like, oh, my God, what a waste. I spent four years. I'm like, and, and then it was like a college again. I'm like, no, I wish, I wish my college would have prepared me to go out and be able to just hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And by the way, when you started, it's, it, it's, it probably wasn't like you were the guru, right? Like you were learning, you were improving every day. Oh. It was brutal. It was brutal. I remember thinking, gosh, you know, I wanted to switch majors right away. I remember by senior year, I'm like, hit me as, I was like Rocky Balboa. I'm like, hit me as hard as you can. I am not going down. I made it this many, seven semesters. I am not going down. I'm not throwing the towel in, but I'm never going to freaking do this again. 
<laughs> when I leave, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to do something different. That's why I went into sales, but I didn't give up. I didn't give up. It would have been easy to switch. me. Right. And that's the thing. Maybe well, I, a, little, a little bit like I'm concerned. The one thing I am concerned about with some of the college students is this notion, like when you go to college, it's like, well, if you don't like it, you can always switch. You can switch majors. You can switch colleges. I'm like, I don't remember having that, like that option. Like, you know what, if you, if you signed up to play football, you're going to play the whole season. You're not going to, you're not going to walk away halfway through because it gets, because you're losing a lot of games. Same thing with my education. I feel like, you know what, I, I didn't pick the right major, but you know what, I'll make the best of it. It's kind of like when uh, going gets tough, people are starting to quit and give up on whatever major or even the school. Right. It's like, like if you're, when your parents dropped you off for school, they said, well, if this doesn't work out so well. We'll find something better. I'm like, I don't, we never had that conversation. It's like, make a good decision, stick to it. You'll get something out of it. You know, and I always talk about with my students, it's like, there, there's, in terms of finding a career, you guys, it's, it's, it's the balance of the things I love to do that I'm good at doing. I went into engineering because I was really good at it. I, I didn't go in because I loved it. And that, so it's not good enough to just do something because you're good at it. Then I got out and I got into the sales and I loved sales, but I wasn't that good at it. So I had to keep moving until, you know, and then I was in product management and I kind of liked it and kind of good at it, but it wasn't, I didn't love it either part. You know, I didn't, I didn't love it enough or I wasn't good enough at it until I found teaching where I feel like I love it. And, and I'm, I feel like I'm good at it. I could definitely be better at it, but I feel like I'm good at it enough. And that's when, when you find those two things, you guys, and remember George was, was trying to figure out, should I go into sales? Should I, should I go into marketing? I'm like, George, what, what are you good at? And what do you love? And if you can find something that, that you can circle both of those criteria for, you've got, you've got the answer. For me, it took me till I was 48 years old before I found something that I loved that I was also good at. I mean, you know, the other example I give all the time is drumming. I love playing the drums, you guys. It's my, it's my happy place. I said it earlier. Just not that good at it to do it for a living, right? <laughs> so it's, the, it's this constant search for those, for those two criteria. So, so sometimes you got to stay in something long enough to give it a fair share or a fair shake. You know, maybe, maybe I knew I was good at engineering, but I didn't love it. But I, I can't make that decision after the first semester or even the second semester. I got to kind of do it long enough to go, you know what? It's worth walking away from something you're good at because I gave it four years to fall in love with it and never fell in love with it. Not like teaching. So anyway. Well, that, may, that makes a lot of sense to me. Just being in my, what I'm doing right now is I'm in sales and I like sales, but mm -hmm. I would rather much get onto the marketing side because I don't, not yeah. in love with sales. What right. would you give advice to listeners of how they can go about finding what they love? Is it just trying different things? Uh, you know what? Yeah. Like I was lucky enough. Like when I was in high school, I remember my dad, one of my dads is this funny thing. He's like, you can be, you can be any, you can be anything you want is like, what was it? You could be any engineers that you want, as long as it's an engineer. Uh, like, like he had me meet with an electrical engineer, a civil engineer, a mechanic, you know, mechanical, chemical, and I had lunch with all of them and I ended up choosing mechanical engineering because I liked the guy. The guy was the most like normal person, right? He was, he, we laughed, we had a good time. I'm like, okay, that, that's probably what I wanna do. And I chose it. Um, 
it, it's really hard though to to know whether you love it or not or if you're good at it or not sorry it's really hard to know whether you love it or you're good at it if you don't stay in it long enough to know those things mm-hmm. like the, there's always a honeymoon period with any role you know and i and you, you have to get past that and give it a fair share and i i probably switch jobs every three to four years and i feel like you know that's a that's a good amount of time the problem i think with millennials is they give things like six weeks and they're like i don't i don't love this and it's like, like i ran into a former student of mine in target and and she was working at um periscope and i'm like which is you know a great agency i'm like hey how's it going she goes you know i don't love my clients I'm like uh okay <laughs> that's that's a job you know your your job is to make your clients happy it's hard to do that you you're not supposed to necessarily love your clients that's why it's a job She's yeah. like, yeah, I think I want to do something else because I'm just not having much fun. I'm like, I don't remember fun being like, it's, it's like this need for entertainment. And I'm like, it's not, it's a job. So I guess I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, Jake, on you. But, but I think you need to, this, the unfortunate answer is I think you need to stay in it long enough that you can honestly say, um, I have tried it. I don't love it. Or I've tried it and I'm not good at it. But what you definitely don't want to do is, 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 is do it too short of amount of time where you got to go back for a second try at it. It's like the inventory rule, touch it once, try that sales job and give it a couple years. And if it's not either something you love or you're good at, then, then you can say, I checked this box mm-hmm. I made it through the honeymoon period. It's not the right job for me. Let me try marketing and try that for a while, but not three months, not six months. Try it for a year. Try it for, you can do Jake, you can do anything for two years. You might feel like that's the longest time in the world, but it's not the longest time in the world. When you look back when, you know, when you're, you're, you're my age and most of my jobs were three to four years, that's, that's about right. Well, that's what I always have to remind myself if I'm thinking that I'm not in a position that I want to be is that I'm still so young, just recently got school, and it's good to get back to that because I feel like with the social media era and mm-hmm. you're always comparing. And then you also said with the uh, student that worked at Periscope, mm-hmm. that she needed that constant form of entertainment. And I feel like social media also kind of relates to that because we're always on our devices. We're always having mm-hmm. that dopamine. Drive. And so I think that might kind of play a factor into why we have this constant craving for that entertainment. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's a great talk by Simon Sinek about the, the dopamine effects of, of social media and that this millennial generation is interested, you know, just wants that instant gratification and that comparison. And it's, you know, guys, it's a tough time. It's, it's a tough time. It's too, it's, it's too easy. I'm almost glad that when I got out of college, I had a hard time keeping up with what my friends were doing. Cause if, if, if social media were around, I feel like it would all, all these eyes would be on me. Like I got to post, like I was even hearing about certain students were upset that they couldn't go on spring break because they didn't know what they were going to put in their Instagram feed. I'm like, what a terrible reason to go on spring break so that you've got good content for Instagram. It's like, holy shit. Is that what this has become? Um, but yeah, you're right. There is, there is wicked pressure on you when you see, other people's accomplishments and then people getting married and people having kids. And, you know, it's like, uh, I, I don't really have a silver bullet for you on that one. I, I don't know what to tell you other than um, what I told George and his whole class, the last day of class is, is trust your gut. At the end of the day, 
for 20. How old are you, George? 23? Or sorry, uh, Jake? Uh, just turned 24 two weeks ago. 24. And, and Jake, same? Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. I just turned 24 last week, actually. Yep. Here's, here's my take on that is you guys, for 24 years, your inner self has been, you know, kind of dialing in your gut feel. When, you're, when your gut tells you that you, you should change jobs or your gut tells you you should stay in the job, trust your gut. When was the last time your, that, that inner voice that you had ever failed you? Seriously. And I think so many people think like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What, I'm like, what is, what, are you, what is your inner voice telling you? And trust it. Trust it. And, and if you're feeling pressure from these, these external sides, trust your gut. Because I, I believe you fine-tuned it and you know when, when something's not right, you know it's not right. And when something's right, you know it's right. So just, just give yourself a little slack and, and not cave to some of the pressure you feel out from the outside in. And that's interesting you bring that up, Gino. Have you by chance read the book Outwitting the Devil? No, I haven't. So me and Jake actually bought that together. Um, <laughs> we were going to read it and do a bit of a podcast review on it. But um, what it talks about is every man or woman has kind of an inner self. Well, they do. Not kind of. You have an inner self that tells you, that guides you, that leads you um, to what is right ultimately. And basically, it, it, you'd be a fool to not trust it because you have fine-tuned it your whole yeah. life, right? Yeah. Every time you get burned, you remember it. And you, you say, I won't fall for that again, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's amazingly accurate. That's a Napoleon Hill book. He also wrote the Get, Think Big and Get Richer. No, he was the How to Win Friends and Influence, I'm pretty sure. Got it. Um, okay. I'll need to get on that, George, so we can do that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good book. Hey, trust your gut. It's good. It's a good book. Mm -hmm. But so we are, uh, we're, we're coming up on a little bit of bedtime for me, but I do want to hit one more thing, Gino. Sure. Um, and I, this is something I admire in you. Uh, just your youthfulness, your positivity. Um, how do you stay sharp? How do you stay young? Do you, you know tips or tricks for listeners out there in that regard? Oh, I, for me, it's, it's about surrounding myself with young people. Um, you know, it's funny cause I have an office in the Minneapolis campus, which is the MBA campus. And I've got an office at the undergraduate campus and I consciously choose to go to the undergrad campus in St. Paul every day, whether I teach there or not. I, I want to surround myself with young people because I feel like it's contagious. Uh, when I'm around young people and I feel that energy, I get that energy. And when I get that energy, I give that energy. Um, so part of me is, is about, you know, that notion of, because people are like, well, you could work from home or you, you don't even have to come into class now. We do the online. Actually, I, interestingly enough, when St. Thomas went to online learning, I still went to McNeely Hall every day. And I was the only one in the building. But that's where I feel alive. On a college campus is where I feel alive. Now, granted, there weren't many students on the college campus, but I still I see a football field and I see a, a, a you know a, you know the rec center and the student center. I'm like, this is where I get my spirit from. And when I interact with people and I see them in the in the courtyard or I see them in the building, I can't tell you, George, how many times when I'm grading and I just go, you know what? I need to walk around McNeely and hope I run into somebody that I know. 
because I just want to feel that energy around young people. And if I stay in my office all day, I'm just going to rot. Or if I work in my home office all day, I'm going to rot. So I try to surround myself with young people. I try to do things that young people do. I go to concerts. I play in a band. Uh, I play, you know, any chance I get, I try to be around. I go to, I go to your guys' sporting events because I want to, I want to feel alive. And um, so I guess it's, for me, it's about um, place. It's, it's, I, I put myself out into these places where uh, young people are and, uh, and I, and I soak it up. I think that can even go for uh, the kids that are our age is getting out there and mm -hmm. putting yourself around people so much today. We see people staying inside, staying on Netflix, social media, mm -hmm. video games. So get yeah. out to the world. You got to experience it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's funny because I have re I have sort of um, figured out this whole um, binge watching thing. I, I, I'm so thankful. And until really this coronavirus thing, I never binge watch anything. Literally, my wife and I watched Lost like three months ago. And we're like thinking, oh, my God, this is what this is about. Seriously, we're watching a show that was like 10 years ago. That's we're just we're just catching up to this thing. And I am so thankful, though, Jake, that I didn't know binge watching until now, because I feel like for decades I could have lost kind of what I what I am. And that is I never watch TV. I don't spend any time at home. I constantly, I'm out, I'm running, I'm coaching, I'm, I'm exercising, I'm teaching, I'm, I'm around people. That's because people give it, people's energy gets given to other people. And that's, and the notion of binge watching, I'm like, uh, it's dangerous. It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, and it's, you're not getting that life experience. And like you just said, you're, when you're around people, you're fe feeding their energy and you're feeding them your energy. Yep. George and I uh, read a book, The Gamma Mindset. We had the author on and it's all about how you have this energy field around you. Mm -hmm. and it goes however many feet, but you're broadcasting that out into the world and then you're also receiving other people's. Totally. So it's that you get out into the world and experience. Um, and then, so for my last question for you would be, sure. what would be, since you work with um, people that are around our age and most mm -hmm. people that are our age are our listeners, mm -hmm. what would be your biggest tips or advice if you were to give it to us? I think it's, uh, it's being prepared. Um, it's, I know it sounds kind of a boring thing. It's like, I always, my, my favorite quote right now is luck favors those who are prepared, prepared. Um, this notion that I, I'm still shocked you guys at how, um, how ill prepared students come to class. Like they know what we're going to cover. Why, why wouldn't you read what we're going to cover in advance so that when you hear it out of my voice, it's the second time you've kind of experienced it and then, and then read it one more time after we're done. And then you got it. Then you don't even have to study, but like, I'm amazed that this notion of being prepared would like come to class early, have your assignments stapled with, I mean, it's, it's so, I, I feel like it's so um, boring what I'm saying right now, but it's that little thing about showing up. Like when people hand me their papers, they're like, Oh, do you want them stapled? Or, or do you have a stapler, Gino? And I'm like, it's not my paper. Well, can, you, can I just hand it to you? I'm like, sure, you can hand it to me, but 
but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get 81 of these things and they're gonna go in my backpack and I hope it all stays together. But like this notion that, and I tell my students this because I've learned this the hard way. I'm like, forget about college, but but never ever ever go to a business meeting where you don't know what you might be asked in that meeting. Mm-hmm. And so many people go, oh, we got that nine o'clock. Hey, let's go, and they just drop in like, what are what are we talking about? I'm like, how could you? You, you, you can't do that because if I say something, if I ask you a question, Jake, and it's the first time you've thought about what you might say, you're probably going to lead with a, uh, and uh is probably not the best example of what you should say. Mm-hmm. And this notion of, of showing up prepared is not sexy, but it's essential. Like, and, I, and again, I've learned it the hard way where I walked into a meeting, I had no idea what was going to be asked of me. And I made a terrible first impression. And I would love to have that back. And all I, all I could have done was to think about what might be asked of me in this meeting so that when someone asks me a question, I can answer it and, and I can impress that person as opposed to dig myself out of the hole that I've gotten myself into. Um, that would be one. And I think that would probably be the biggest one. I mean, what do you, what's your reaction to that? Well, I think that's super important, even though like you said it's boring. I don't know necessarily if that's boring because for me, it kind of resonates because I was the one when I went to Winona State that wasn't reading the chapters. And then you get this sense of anxiety before going into class yeah, because you're unprepared. And it not even just relates to college, but life, like you said, in Mm -hmm. the meetings. And it's the little things that always add up then to make you either successful or maybe you failed then because you weren't prepared or you didn't do the little things to get yourself ready. So I think, I think it is a big deal. What do you, what do you think, George? Yeah, I would compare it to like watching film as a quarterback, right? It, uh, yeah. It, it's kind of like you're getting mental reps already. You're going to be prepared for the situation. You know what to do. I think it makes you more confident overall. You'll be a sharper speaker. You know, the, the, the total package that, that resonates with me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that I don't know where that got lost or if it did get lost. I just know um, that to me, that's the difference. That is honestly, it's a, it's a huge difference. It's not everything. I remember my dad telling me, he's like, you know, you don't have to be leagues above everybody else. You just have to be 10% better at everything. Yeah, I like that. You know, just showing up a little bit more prepared, um, finishing a little stronger, right? Or being a be- you know, 10% better listener or whatever it is. It's just all these things add up to a 50% improvement over everybody else. Like, but you, you can't expect to be leagues above everybody in, in any one thing. So don't try to be in, in every one thing. But, you know, like I, I talk about, the, again, the, I keep referring to the last, the last day of class because with, with George and all my classes, I do sort of a top 10 at the end of my class. You know, and one of the things is, is the last 10%. And that is a lot of people take something just to to the 90 percentile and then go okay i think let's just let's let's grab a stapler and let's call it done and i'm like you know that last 10 percent is what's going to separate what you did from the pack and if it's reading it one more time and it's or it's you know it's just putting another eye at it you know running it running it through your head one more time rehearsing the play you're going to do one more time it's that last look and it's even in when you're having a dialogue with somebody and um you know, and you're not, you're trying to tell, you're trying to deliver a tough message and you get to about 90% of the message and then you kind of back off because you, the last 10% is going to hurt. 
-hmm. It's like, finish it, take it all the way to the edge. It's like, like when you break up with somebody, like you, you take it to about 90% and then the person's like, Hey, wait a second. Are we breaking up? It's like, no, we're not, we're not breaking up. We're just, we're just doing a pause. Oh, okay. Can we still be friends? Oh, sure. We could even go out sometime. Oh, great. You know what? You planned on, on breaking up and you didn't actually do it. Like go all the way, mm -hmm. go all the way. Like in football, you can't score from the red zone. You got to get in the end zone. It's, it's worth zero points to get to the red zone. You got to push it across. And that's the other thing, as I would say, is, is and, and part of me is Jersey, you know, I'm from New Jersey. And I, I, I kind of say what I think. Um, I think so many times in the Midwest, you guys, is, is that we take it to 90% and we really, we just leave that last 10% free because that's the part that's going to hurt and you back off. And it's like, you know what? Finish it. Well, it's that, it's that uncomfortable feeling that we yeah. don't want to put ourselves in. Right, because up until 90%, you're just nudging a little bit, but you're not, you're not really delivering the message. And you say, I think he heard what I said. I think he got it. And you know what? We all hear what we want to hear, you guys. It's, uh, it's the <laughs> passive-aggressive Minnesota nice. Oh, it, it drives me crazy. When I, I was in sales and I moved out here and I was trying to sell out here, you guys, and people would tell me, you know, hey, come back again and did it. I'm like, I'm like, finally, I'm like, do you intend to buy anything from me? They're like, whoa, 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 that's not going to work here, buddy. I'm like, well, then why didn't you say it's not going to work here? Why did? Why do you keep stringing me along? Mm -hmm. Like, well, we're trying to be nice. I'm like, it's it's a waste of my time. Very and true. When I was calling on companies in in Manhattan, you know, they'd be like, in the middle of the presentation, they'd be like, I'm sorry, we're going to cut this off. We're not interested. I love that, you guys. I loved it because I didn't waste any more time. I knew exactly where things stood, packed up my PowerPoint and my whatever, and I headed on to the next client that might be interested versus this stringy along crap. No. Uh -uh. What's that assertiveness that is going to take you farther in life? You go after what you want. You don't go, like you said, that 90% are just to the red zone. You got to yeah. speak your mind to others and you got to be okay getting in that uncomfortable situation. Because that's so you're going to grow in that situation, but it's also going to get you to where you want to be. Exactly. Yep. And so um, I think, George, you had anything else? I think this was an awesome podcast, to be honest. I loved every second of it. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Another thing I took from that is I need to have a little more uh, Jersey in me, the killer instinct. I got to finish the job. Well, in a, in a respectful way, but yeah, I mean. Um... <laughs> yeah finish it yeah respectful <laughs> so and, uh, as a teacher you have to do it i mean that's the hardest part of teaching is when you tell somebody they got something wrong and but you can't dance around it if it's wrong it's wrong mm -hmm. um yeah i don't love it it's like it's funny when you when you have to call that out it doesn't feel good doing it it feels good right after you do it it's like saying no to something that was the other thing i was thinking about potentially saying when advice for people your age is, is saying no i've been some of the things I follow on social media is yeah. big are big on telling people you got to say no it's mm -hmm. the only way to be within yourself almost otherwise you're just giving your yourself away by being a yes man so yeah and 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 saying no hurts I don't know you don't like to do it it's not part of our DNA but man it would it allows you to 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 focus on the things that really matter that's that's a big one too that's that's a that's an important one it's hard and it's hard to do We're, we want to please Add Minnesota nice on top of it. It's even harder. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Gina. It was great to meet you. George had a lot of great things to say about you. So 
I was excited, and uh, you definitely lived up to the expectations. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I look forward to hearing it.